a show dedicated to athletic development. We believe that we are one team with one fight. TrueGrind's mission is to empower athletes by using the weight room to teach the mindset and mental fortitude to succeed on and off the field, where we focus on developing powerful quality movements, understanding intent over intensity, and mastering the concept of lead small, where we share the unvarnished truth, even if common sense tells us otherwise. Your host is Brandon Janeka, owner of True Grind Systems, a sports performance gym in Austin, Texas. Hey, what's up? I'm Bobby Tewksbury. I'm here with Brandon at True Grind in Austin, Texas. What are we talking about today? Today we're just going to look at uh, what you're testing with, uh, with all your hitters. Yeah, let's talk about it. First of all, thanks for having me here. Uh, Absolutely. We've, we've known each other for a couple years now. Um, our good friend Brian's off camera here. Um, I love your spot here. Um, it's a pretty, I mean, how many racks you got? One, two, so yeah, like five, five, six five racks. racks. Yep. Six racks, including the, uh, very cool sprinting lane, pull out the batting cage. It's a really cool spot. I love the energy here. Uh, you guys are doing some good stuff. So Appreciate thanks for that. having me. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're glad to have you down here. I know we've been working, we've been talking, like you said, for, well, intently over the past six, seven months now, yep. uh, about, really just diving into hitting and, and movement and mm-hmm. how those two uh, collide together and, and inter, intertwine uh, with each other. And I know you've been doing some cool things up there in um, Nashua, New Hampshire. Yep. Um, so what's, uh, what have you been doing? What, what, what have you been looking at? What's the most, uh, the biggest surprise or the biggest thing you've seen? Yeah, so we we've always been pretty tech forward, right? You know, we've had hit tracks for three years. We have K Motion, I consulted with Diamond Kinetics, um, just got a flight scope. There, we have a lot of tech. We I, we have body track. If if there's tech that's interesting, I do everything I can to get it. And I I'm always trying to understand performance better. Right. So we started implementing your movement screens uh, to our hitters, trying to understand connections between movement screen, K motion, diamond kinetics, hit tracks. Like what is the story? What, what is happening on a big picture? Um, we're doing some other stuff looking at speed and force, um, some vertical jump type testing. Um, just really just trying to understand where performance comes from. The, the mental side of hitting is always going to be important. It's not like we're ignoring that part, but the, the physical side to me is so controllable compared to the, not that the mental side's not, but like if you can push weight, you can push weight. It's easier to be objective about it. So if you can check those boxes or at least understand if there's a limitation, you can address it. And if, if you do the testing and you, you understand athletes with a decent data set, you can see what's going on. Yeah. With today's tech, it's, it's so easy to get those tangible numbers. And and that's, that's the hard part about the mental side of the game uh, of hitting um, 100% and this tech that you're referring to um, measures everything uh, it measures uh, uh, velocity of, of how fast you rotate your torso down to where your pressure is located on your foot um, to the to the ball itself on how fast it's exiting the bat um, uh, you're pretty much measuring every physical attribute yeah. Uh, all the way down to, to, like you said, the movement screen on, on how well they can uh, squat and hinge. Um, yeah, it's trying to reverse engineer the swing. Right. And if you look at it, 
you can look at the ball, see what the ball's doing. You can look at the bat, look what the bat's doing. Then you look at the body, see what the body's doing. Um, I've actually, I've, I dabble with the live Athos, which has the EMG sensors yeah. all through the body. And it wasn't just not practical to use because it's like basically like a skin suit that you're putting on and you can't transfer it from hitter to hitter. Right. But trying to look at actual muscle firing sequences to, so like you can know what the body's doing, but then what's causing the body to do that. And it, the line between the mental and the physical gets super blurred because it's this, the signal from your brain is going to your muscles. So where does it all come from? Like, I think ultimately your brain has to send the signal to the body. And so much of the training is then transferring feel to what's actually happening. So it's being objective about what you're feeling. And that's one of the hardest things about, about testing and creating data. It's like, all right, well, if I'm hitting, I'm going to try to get on top of the ball. Hot topic right now. Try to get on top. Okay. What's your body do when that happens? When you have that thought, what swing do you produce? And does it allow you to perform better? There's just, there's so many variables to try to contain. It's really, really challenging because velocity matters. Spin rate matters. What you did in your last at bat matters for your confidence. Mm -hmm. You know, if you've been leaning back or if you're, if you're sore, uh, maybe you haven't been in the weight room and you're just, you leak and you, Mm -hmm. and you get extension instead of rotation. There's so many things that can go wrong. So trying to, again, just trying to contain that. It's a big challenge. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what uh, what are you seeing with with this new tech? Like, what are you what, what are you what are the correlations? I mean, that's what we're trying to get right here, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with all this data, it's trying to get correlations. Hey, what helps this athlete with this profile? Yeah, you know, th- this athlete struggles at this. Okay, what helped him recover from that, and who else can we implement that? with who else would yeah. that work for so what is what, what are you seeing most three there's three that kind of stick out in my mind okay uh first one using diamond kinetics i like to see a one to three ratio of hand speed to bat speed okay when hitters have a one to three ratio so let's say bat speed is 75 hand speed would be 25 that one to three ratio seems to create a lot of whip and produce good exit velocity if a more realistic is 20 on 60 so 20 mile an hour hand speed on 60 mile per hour bat speed. That's like a junior varsity, maybe varsity level player. Okay. Low tier varsity level player. Kids are going like D1, like ACC type schools. Their bat speed's creeping into 70, 71, 72. And their hand speed is, you know, 23, 24, 25. Right. If you get a kid that has like 25 mile an hour hand speed and 60 mile per hour bat speed, you're, you're losing that one There's to three ratio. So the hands and the bat are traveling together too much. Right. So there's no whip. There's no, there's no whip to the swing. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's been one indicator. Um, doing the body track, the, the, the pressure force mat. plate. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's, it's technically a pressure mat. It, right. it has a force measurement, but it's technically a pressure mat. Uh, doing vertical displacement on vertical jumps. So squat jump or just a arm swing jump, whatever, however you want to test it. And it looks at the pressure on your toes versus your heels. And hitters, because it's a dynamic movement, if you do a counter movement with arm swing, vertical jump, you can see the hitters that are too quad dominant in their swing, they get up on their toes more on the vertical jumps. So in their intent to be athletic and explosive, that shows up, which is pretty cool. On a non-baseball non- swing yeah. movement. Um, we had one pro guy that 
he he was his his heels never got to the ground. Never. He was he his vertical displacement was. We've had kids. I'm pretty sure it's a centimeter measurement. So kids that get like seven degrees back. So you stand neutral. So when you go into your heels, if the pressure slides back, you're getting more into your heels, mm-hmm. more hamstring glute, mm-hmm. and then your extension comes up through mm-hmm. that versus being quad dominant up on your toes, jumping right. from there. Right. The the kid <laughs> we did we did the full movement screen, super super tight hips. Like when he did the the Thomas test, his his leg was. Eight inches off the table, it was crazy. So he he's worked on it, and he was just in for a week of training. And it's amazing how much he's he's implemented thoughts to get more into his heels. And his exit, he his he had one round where he went four forty to left center, center, and right center, in one round of BP. And he he like stopped. He's like, "What just happened?" Oh, we learned how to use our hips because he <laughs> he used to be so far like as a righty. He was his. He's quad dominant, right. so he's swinging and he's pushing more with his upper body and coming across the ball. So with the camera, he's going this way. So now he can get into his hinge. He can get more like deeper in his body. So when he's swinging, the bat's going this way instead of this way. Right, which quad dominant is such a – today's society <clears throat> kind of sets up quad dominance. You know, yeah. And everyone seems to operate – wants to operate with the, with the muscles on the front of their body, yeah. their quads. Mm-hmm. Go into a little bit further detail of, of, of how that that leaks power, or how that to a hitter when you're trying to create rotational power. Yeah, not activating your glutes, which are the rotators, uh, external rotators of your of your leg of your hip. Not being able to to activate those and use those. What does your swing tend to do? What are, what are what are the yeah. the outputs of that? Typically, you end up with a swing that's more downward, right? Because your the swing has to go down, mm-hmm. right? If your bat's up here and the pitch is down here, there is a downward element to the swing. Correct. The question is, is it going downward as you go forward? Or are you getting deeper and having the downward part in a, in a way, arcing away from the ball right. or arcing towards the ball? If you can get the downward element happening deeper... Before the bat head gets in the before zone. The, like, to get the bat in the zone back here right. instead of slashing Halfway forward. Halfway through. So that quad dominance, it just it makes you turn more from the front side of your body, which makes it go downward too much. And we know, like, we want the swing to be upward slightly. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about a twenty degree upswing, right? But we need to, we, if we're going to drive the ball in the air effectively, we need to be swinging upward. Mm-hmm. And being quad dominant is a major inhibitor of that. There's ways the body can compensate. Like if you slide your elbow, you can slot, and that creates a whole different host of problems. But so for the most part, you see a quad dominant athlete, they're going to be uh, pull hooking them. Pull hook, rollovers, very difficult to drive the ball opposite field. Right. Because their bat path is just. They're not in the zone. Your bat's very going long. this way and the ball's going that way. It, that, that direction, you, you need the bat moving in the direction of the batted ball to drive it and flush it. Right. Otherwise, you're just glancing blow. Right. So that's the big thing. So that's number two. The third thing that's been cool is uh, grip strength. Yeah. And this one is just, it's, it's not a guarantee because right. I hit the benchmark, but I can't hit 100. So I have not had a single kid, and I'm sure I will at some point, but this is across hundreds of hitters. Right. Just a simple, I don't even know what it's called, just the gripper that you get on, uh, on Amazon. Uh, yeah. It just measures it in, I think, pounds per foot or whatever the measurement is. Mm-hmm. But grip strength, 90-degree uh, bend, grip it as hard as you can, 125-pound grip. I think that's the measurement. 
I have not had a single hitter hit the ball 100 without gripping at least 125. On both hands, dominant side only? At least one hand. At least one hand. There's been some variation there. So okay. I had one kid that was 125, it was like 140 on one hand and like 120 on the other. But for the most part, both, usually it's, they're pretty equal. They're pretty similar. I haven't seen dramatic differences in grip strength. And my, my theory on it is it's kind of like if you're going to deadlift and you want to, if you want to deadlift 300 pounds, if you can't hold the bar, you can't pick up the bar. So you need enough strength to transfer the energy. That's my theory. I don't know if I'm right or not, but that seems to be what's happening. You need at least enough energy to kind of transfer the kind of speed you need and deliver the energy through the ball that 125 is kind of a benchmark. I can grip it depending on the day, 140, 150, 160, depending on how rested I am, okay. but I can't hit the ball 100. So it doesn't. if you can grip it 125, it doesn't mean you can hit it. 100. But the people who do hit it 100. But the people who do hit it 100 can grip it 125. Can grip it 125. So it's, it's just one box you got to check. And then we can start to look at okay, how much do you squat? How much do you bench? What's your vertical? What's your 10 yard sprint? Right. We can start to, what's RSI type numbers? Like, what other factors do we need to consider to hit that benchmark? So that's, it's, it's cool to look at it from that. So, like, we've got trends showing up. Saying, okay, well, you, need to, you need to hit this box. You need to hit this. You need to hit this. You need to hit this. And then when you have limitations, you can address it. Right. And make really good decisions about how you're going to train. More, yeah. It just becomes a more specific uh, scientific approach to bettering you as, mm-hmm. as you. There's just, there's so many things out there. Yeah. Right. There's so much information out there and it gets scattered. So you go on Twitter and you see this exercise. You're like, oh man, I should do that. Like, well, should you? Right. How do you know? And it's, um, you know, it's, it's, I'd imagine if I was, if I was a current high school player, I would be all over Instagram. I'd be all over Twitter. I'd be trying everything. Right. Because I was motivated. I wanted to get to the next level. Right. So you can't fault the kids for it. No. But we need to help put containers around things and say, okay, let's, let's be, I guess, practical about it and more educated and, It'll, organized it'll, organized is, the, is a great word but we need to be more structured mm-hmm. in how we're approaching the stuff so we can communicate to the athletes better minimize risk with doing things that are detrimental like if you're more of a force-based athlete if you generate through force more than speed like you might need to train more speed mm-hmm. and if you're more of a speed guy and you lack strength you don't need to be doing speed work right so it's it's like a simple equation of create assessments, see where an athlete is, and then make decisions based on that. It seems simple, but there's so many there's so things. There's data. so many factors to consider and right. so many pieces of tech. And, you know, it's a great starting point, it seems, is like always strength. I think you need to establish a strength base mm-hmm. um, in, a, in the weight room setting. And then for hitting, it's, it's kind of trying to figure out what those benchmarks are and for like using diamond kinetics, if you have impact momentum around like 25, 26, you're probably a D1 caliber player. And what's, in terms in, of, what's impact momentum? It's the momentum of the bat at impact. Okay. And how's that measured? With the diamond kinetic sensor on the bat. Okay. So you just hit. And I, I typically see trends developing after 10 to 12 swings. So you don't, it's good to take more, but you, you're going to get a good idea where the player's at after 10, 15 swings. So impact momentum of 25, 26 is pretty legit. 
I've seen it get up to 32. That's the highest I've seen is 32 on impact momentum. And this is a kid that hits the ball 460 feet. It's, it's, so there's got to be a real. direct correlation it's between real. impact momentum and exit velocity, right? I mean, yeah. the more yeah. obviously. It's, there's different factors in that because if you're swinging downward into the ball, it's, it's more of can you have an impact momentum of 25-26 with a good swing and hit the ball effectively in the air. Right. Because if you're just hacking down on the ball right. like an axe or almost. swinging straight up, right. you're going to run into problems in the game. So right. training environment versus game environment – there's, there's a lot to consider. Yeah. At ABCA um, in Dallas, up the road, um, I did some, some demonstrations on using vertical angle of the pitch on hit tracks. Uh-huh. It's one of the measurements that they added. Um, it's just on the left side of the screen. It just tells you if the ball, how, what degree the ball is going downward versus upward. And you can, if a kid struggles up in the zone, you can throw pitches that you, I literally sit on the ground and throw, and the ball crosses the plate at a different angle. Or you can get way up high and throw downward, if the kid's chopping down too much, it's it's like angled BP where you like get off to the side, but right. it's angled vertically instead of from the side. It's elevation, not windage. Yeah, ah. yeah, north south versus right. west. Right, so right. it's it's cool to use metrics for that type of stuff. Yeah, and, and then just, tie it to diamond kinetics, tie it to hit tracks, tie it to K motion, because then you again you get that full story. Yeah, that full blueprint uh, of the athlete, and, and one thing that that I've really learn to appreciate with the body is that it makes sense you know the more the more tech we use the you you find these correlations and you look at it and you might not be able to recognize that in a million years but once it's in front of your face you're like yeah that that totally makes sense like this guy with uh super quad dominant you know he had hip flexors that are insanely tight so tight in fact that they weren't allowing his hip to get fully extended. Mm-hmm. So he was leaving valuable power on the table because his main engine, his glutes, are not going through a full range of motion. Yeah. And so, and not to mention what it does on his swing path, uh, being a, a quad dominant hitter. And it just, it just makes total sense. And that's, I, I love this tech. It, it gives us measurable data that we wouldn't, and it's just it's just metrics it's just tools you know that we that we organize into this blueprint you know and the more blueprints that that we can come up and and the more fixes we can come to each blueprint or each profile then that's when we start to do the fun stuff now now we know what works with what blueprint and and that's all i i love it i love this tech the thing that i always for the older generation the thing i always stress to them is today's player has grown up with an iPhone or an iPad. Yep. The, the, the current high school kid, that's the world that they know. Mm-hmm. And technology isn't about being cool or hip or like, oh, I'm cutting edge. Blah. It's not, that's not what it's about. It's about helping kids feel things because the numbers are objective. The, it's spitting out stuff that's objective. Mm-hmm. But we have to make it perform on the field. And when you get to a game, I had a, I had a, a conversation with Colabella about this because I, I was up at a game last weekend. I'm driving home and I'm like, the entire game is played in your head. The whole game. And, and players that do it well are the better players. There's kids that, like when you get in the batter's box, we forget as coaches. You get in the batter's box and it's all here. It's your confidence. It's trusting yourself. It's like simple interactions with the catcher and the umpire. 
you know, when the ground ball gets hit at you, what's going through your brain? You, we forget as coaches that they're not just little chess pieces we're moving around. Right. It's like when the ball's being, when the, when the pitcher's throwing the ball, are you out at shortstop, like nervous that the ball is going to get hit to you? That you have this stress of like, oh, if he if hits it at me, oh, I, this guy's a really good hitter. He's going to hit it really hard. I'm, I'm nervous right now. Mm-hmm. Or you're facing a really good pitcher, and it's it's all up here. And it's the game, the game inside the game. It's the mental game that if you supply players with thoughts and feels and tools to handle those moments, they're going to perform better. Yep. That's what the tech is all about to me. Like when you're talking to a pitcher about his breaking ball, like popping out of his hand too much. It's like, well, what do you need to feel? Like we, okay, it pops up at 5.1 degrees that we want it to be at at zero, whatever, made up numbers. What do I need to feel to make that happen? When it's 0-2 in a tie ball game with the tying run, with the go ahead run on third, like, and I'm nervous. Can I swear on this? No. No swears. Poop in my pants. Nervous. Like I'm scared to bounce it. Right. But I know I need to get extension. I know I need to get on right. top of it to get this guy out. Like, what's going through your head then? What are the feels? What 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 can you trust in those moments? You're trying to give. You're trying to give. A, That's what the tech is a about. A rock, something to lean on. You're trying to give a, that <clears throat> feel. We want yeah. to correlate what can you the trust? proper metric to the feel. As in, you know, when you feel this, this is the result. Eighty-seven yep. percent of the time, or and whatever. it's just it's just putting a number on it. Right. So, like, if we were talking about launch angle. Instead of being like, hey, that's a good swing, Johnny. Nice line drive. We just say, that ball was hit at 18 degrees. That's a nice line drive. Right. Or, oh, stop popping up. You're getting under it. You hit that ball at 38. It's too high. Right. And it's just a different, it's more exact. Right. And I think, but if you don't supply players with this info, they're going to get it from somewhere. They're seeking it out. And you will lose them. If you don't prepare for it and if you're not ready to answer their questions. 100%. Um, 100% because every kid wants to know how they stack up against the next kid. Mm-hmm. You know, and if, and if you're not going to give them that number on where they lie, then they're going to go find it because they want to know how good they are. They want to know what their exit below, how that ranks between the other top dogs in their, in mm-hmm. their um, area. Yeah. Um, the other thing I love about metrics and just gathering more information is it, it holds us coaches accountable absolutely you know we're, we're seeing results we know that hey if we don't go from if we're not at point b in three months I, we did something wrong as, as coaches i didn't and so it keeps us honest it, it shows progress and in, in development um in a hard numbers mm-hmm. non-arguable numbers yeah he went from here to here um and, and that right there just uh, I think it's just good for the game. It's good for the game to have these numbers. It's good for the kids to 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 strive for something, to mm-hmm. know where they need to be to be at a certain level. Um, and it, it's good for the coaches to keep them accountable. Um, it's just overall it, overall good for the game. But saying that, just like everything in life, and this is a repetitive theme with this podcast, it's all about balance. We could go way to the extreme of, of metric driven to where we have no feel, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then we become robots. And, and if you're playing game baseball, you know, a robot mindset no. is not going to be conducive to success for, for baseball. But 
you know, having no metrics and all feel, again, you're, you're just missing a huge part of the, the puzzle and, and you won't be able to track progress and you won't be able to, to, to know where you lie with yeah. your peers. And it's just, it's just all, it's just balancing these numbers and, and trying to, to give the best product possible. Absolutely. Um, Couldn't agree more. I love it, man. Thank you for, uh, thank you for being on today. Um, glad you're in town. Um, next time we'll have to do it again. I know this won't be the last time you're on the podcast, but, uh, yeah. Where can, uh, where can the audience reach you on, uh, on so, uh, interweb? Yeah. So I've got probably too many things out of line right now. So my current one, the one that's really fun right now is uh, project TH. So Tukes hitting TH project TH.com. And it's, it's where that it's the tool that I've built for controlling all of the data that I'm collecting. Sweet. And it's, it's a tool that you're involved with and I've got some other people that are partnering in on it. It's a way it's where instead of using like an Excel spreadsheet to track stuff, where it's a tool that's going to allow us to really look at things more dynamically. And one of the coolest things that's on there right now is the flight scope data that we're getting from games. So we're going to D1 games, we're going to high school games, doing a D3 game tonight. Mm -hmm. Kids will be able to go on there and see what velocity pitchers are throwing. What are the spin rates? How much time does it take for the ball to get from the hand to the mitt across different levels? And then how hard are balls actually getting hit? So at the D1 level, our hardest hit ball, we've had two kids hit 110. We did a high school game, hardest hit ball I think was 96. 14 miles an hour is big yeah. at that point, you know? And then you see on TV, you can see, you know, you can look up exit velocities on any ball hit in the big leagues right now. Mm-hmm. Guys up to 117, 120. So that's kind of the, the, the spectrum of what we're dealing right. with. I've told people for years, like, once you can hit at 90, you're talking about a varsity baseball player. 90 is kind of where you're at, 80, JV, 90 varsity. You get up into that 100, 104, 105, that's D1 territory. And you got to be able to do it in a game. I'm not talking about off a tee. That's a reflection of athleticism. But if you can do it against competitive pitching, you're athletically meeting that prereq. You know, you're, you're hitting that level. And it's, just, it's cool to see it. For me, it's really cool to go to games and see what numbers are being produced and it's just it's really I'm learning a lot right now using using it on my end internally but also going out and getting games and I think that's a it's a really good tool it's free to sign up for an account to see all this stuff project th project th.com yep awesome. um that'd be a fun one it's I, I would be all, I was always a stat rat so <laughs> I would always you know every time I go to a game I'm uploading this data so you can see it right. so you know one of the top D3 teams in the country, we're going to get data tonight on their best pitcher. Yep. They're number one. Yep. And then tomorrow we're going to get their number two. And then the next day we're going to get their number three. So we're going to see, even at the D3 level against uh, one of the top teams, like what is the pitching difference from Friday night to Sunday? You know? And how consistent are the bats? Does the batting average go up or do the exit velocities go up as the pitching gets worse? And where should you fit into that whole picture? You know, it's, it's really cool to see. It's yeah. cool to see, like, to, the more data we get, the more interesting it gets. Absolutely. Absolutely. The more correlations we can make, the, the better. Uh, ProjectTH.com, as well out. as uh, Twitter. Yeah, Tukes I'm Tukes Hitting on, on Twitter and Instagram. Um, Hitting Daily is another website I have, HittingDaily.com. 
there's over 500 articles on there. It's a subscription website, and it's where all my most current thoughts are. It's I have one category called Swing Thoughts and Concepts. There's got to be over 200 articles just in that category. And just, it's just your brain dump. It's just interesting things that I'm thinking about, witnessing, observing. There's a lot, a lot of the tech stuff I talk about on there. There's a ton of drills, so that's a really good resource. Awesome, man. Well, thank you for uh, being on. And, for uh, and Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn more about TrueGrind Systems, go to TrueGrindSystems.com or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, leave a review, and share us with your friends.